Happy Easter. He is risen. All right. So today, we're going to talk about because God loves us, he is coming after us. So if you are a child or a child at heart, I invite you today. Sometimes this is awesome. Sometimes this gets me in trouble. But what I'm going to do is if I say because, I invite you, you can say God loves us. Okay? So let's try this. Because... All right, let's try it one more time. Because? Perfect. Um, what I'm going to do today is a little ambitious. Bear with me. We're going to fly through the entire story. You guys ready for this? I'm going to talk a little faster than normal. Maybe. We'll see how that goes. Josh is like, okay, I'm going to watch this again on like half speed on YouTube, which we do have on YouTube if you want to come find us on the website. Okay. Um, we're going to start at the creation. So God created us. He created everything, right? So he, he created the heavens, right? The sun and the moon and the stars and all these things. And every time he created something, he said, oh, this is good, right? He's like, oh, and this is good too. And this is good. Oh man, this is awesome. This is good too. And then he made man. He's like, oh, this is good, right? Everything was good. Except for he's like, wait, 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 wait. It's not good for man to be alone, right? He's like, oh, that's, that's not good. Um, P.S., because I'm flying through this, just know that there's, ah, there we go. See, I'm not even going to know every time I say because. There we go. Good. Um, I will come back to a lot of these things. I'm going to touch on a lot of stories as we go today. Just know that I will come back, all right? Another week, not this one, all right? So there's this fascinating thought. The first time I ever thought, like, God looked at everything and said, this is good, except for man to be alone. And the first time that I ever stopped and said, what does he know what it means to be alone? Isn't that a fascinating question? Huh? Like, I think a big part of why God created us is because he is a lover. God loves us, right? He is a lover. And everything, everything in creation at that point in time had been created to give him praise and to give him honor and to give him glory. Like there were beings that are at the throne room even now. It's all they do is worship the Father, right? And worship the Son, which is now. But anyways, anyways, he takes them and he puts them into a garden. Probably not this one. It's a pretty cool garden. I got it on Google. But uh, my guess is it was probably a lot sweeter than this, right? So he puts them into this garden, right? And as a lover, he's like, I am going to create something that can love back, right? And the reason why, one of the reasons why he created us is because love is not verified without choice. And so he created us with the ability to choose and to choose to love him back, right? Because if we didn't have a choice in that garden, if Adam and Eve didn't have that, which they had this choice between, am I going to eat of the tree of life? or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which leads to death, right? So God said, hey, there's these two special trees in this garden. You can eat as much as you want of the tree of life. This other one, though, knowledge of good and evil, don't do it. You're surely going to die. All right, so he tells Adam. Adam's like, hey, don't touch this one. Eve eats of it. Adam eats of it, right? That's what they choose. They say, you know what? We're going to try eating of this knowledge of good and evil. And the world system really is built on that. What is good and what is evil? Like, if you think about this for a second, 
Our paradigm is built on good versus evil. Am I doing the good thing or the evil thing? Right? There's a lot of people out there that if you don't know Jesus, you think, well, I'm weighing my life on am I doing more good than evil? Either one, that's the wrong scale because that's the wrong tree. The original question is, are you choosing life or are you choosing death? Not good or evil, right? It's life or death, which is another fascinating sermon another day. Okay, so they do that. They eat of this, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And on this day, the presence of sin entered the world. The power of sin entered the world and the penalty of sin was set in motion. Okay, which the penalty of sin was death, right? One of the things that I think when I think of, okay, what shifted when Adam and Eve ate from this tree? In my mind, comparison and judgment were two of those big things, right? So if they now have this weight of good and evil in their heads, they're like, oh, wait, you're naked. Well, you're naked too. Well, that's probably wrong. Let's get close, right? And so they're like, you know, figuring out, okay, I got to, now I can compare, now I can judge. Well, if I think that that's bad, well, God's got to think that that's bad, which, again, a lot of times we put perceptions of how he's going to judge into his mind that were never in his mind. Do you think he was okay that they were naked before? Yeah. Do you think that he was offended that they were naked after? No. I don't think so. Like, this is not an invitation to go around naked everywhere because in this society that's probably not a great decision. Okay? Just throwing there, that out there just so that we're on the same page. Well, our pastor said that we could do it. No, that's, that's not, it's not a great Great line. Please don't throw me under the bus that way. But anyways, we're at a place right, where they had judged themselves and said, oh man, we are naked, we need to cover ourselves. And they hid. And God, because, because God loves us, he came after them, right? The very first thing he did after they sinned is he went to them. He went to spend time with them. He went to talk to them. He's like, hey, Adam, Eve, where you at? Do you think he knew where they were hiding? Like, in my mind, it's kind of like when I play hide-and-seek with my kids. Like, Avi, man, sometimes Avi is, like, on the couch. And he's like, I'm like, buddy, there's not an ounce of you that is, like, hidden. You know, but, but he gets the biggest crack out of it. I'm like, oh, where'd Avi go? Where'd Avi? And Sailor's like, right there, right there, right there. Like, how can you not think he's right there? Right? So that's... It just happens all the time. But I, I feel like that's what God the Father was. He's walking through. And he's like, hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they're just hiding. They're like, oh, we're kind of back here. Well, we're naked. He's like, well, who told you you're naked? You know? And so God had to kick them out of the garden for their good, which is another sermon, right? So one of the things that happened, right, is God helped cover them. He saw that, okay, now that they've eaten of this tree and they say that this is bad, let me help them with their shame, Right? So with this comparison and this judgment, they had felt that shame. The shame and the guilt from that sin that had happened, okay? When they had broke relationship with, with God. And God clothed them with skin from an animal. So we even have at the very first moment some of the consequences of death that happened because of the sin. And what happens after that is there's all through the Old Testament, if you look, there is sacrifices of animals on behalf of, of sin, okay? Um, I'm going to fast forward through some of the Old Testament. 
here's, here's one of those things. Before we're like throwing stones at Adam and even being like, well, I wouldn't have eaten of that tree if God told me. Like, yeah, we would have. Like, that, this is what humanity, like, every generation is like, oh, let's do the terrible thing. Oh, actually, let's go do this thing. Oh, actually, let's live by our flesh. And they did it over and over and over again. And it got to a place where there was so much wickedness and so much darkness in the land that aggrieved God the Father. And he said, oh, man, it grieves my heart that I, that I, I started with this. And, and so he wipes everything out except for Noah and his family because Noah was found righteous. And for a lot of years, I struggled with that. And I was like, how is such a good God just erase everything and start over? I have some answers for you, but it's a different sermon another day. Okay? Grieved him. Starts over with Noah. Now from Noah to Abraham, there's all of this stuff that happens, but people keep going back into the same thing of choosing wickedness, choosing bad, choosing things of death, right? And God declares to Abraham, I'm going to bless the entire earth through your seed. And that was talking about Jesus coming, right? So he's like, I'm going to bless you guys because God loves us. He came after Noah because he went after Abraham and he promised things to Abraham. And, and you have this little side note story of Abraham tithing to a guy named Melchizedek, which again is another sermon, another day. But the reason why it matters is because Jesus later comes in a high priestly line of Melchizedek, which we, again, we'll talk about another week. All right, so you have Abraham to Moses who... Abraham had been, hey, I'm going to bless your seed, right? God takes him from that place. He takes him to the promised land. He ends up going down to Egypt. Long story, you get to the place where you have Moses. And the Israelites are captive. They're slaves in Egypt, right? And as an 80-year-old man, God brings him back into Egypt and says, you're going to let my people go, and you're going to bring them to the promised land. Like, you're going to get them out of there. It's like, okay, sounds good. Part of that process is all these plagues that happen with the Pharaoh there in Egypt, with the people. And one of them is the death of the firstborn or the protection of the firstborn, if you think about it that way. Because those that believed, those that had faith, they actually were able to celebrate that their firstborn son didn't die. A lot of times we only think about those that had lost that didn't have faith. But how many more of those that said, we're going to hold on to this moment because of the fact that we believed and God protected us from that. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool? All right. So he goes into the desert. God gives them the Ten Commandments. They're like, oh, so many rules. And then Moses is like, actually, you think that's a lot of rules. Let's look at Leviticus. And then it's like rule after rule. It's like, hey, if you had this, 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 or this, you have to be outside of the camp for this many days, and then you can't do this thing unless you're there. It's like, wait, what? And you're like, but you know what's okay? There's a sin offering. It's a wave offering. You have to have this much grain and this kind of dove and this thing. But if you're poor, you can use this thing. And you're like, what is going on? But it's a whole culture of stuff, right? Leviticus 17.11, I will spare you all of the rules today just to focus on the fact that it said, you know, for the life of flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul, okay? And so God is refreshing through Moses like, hey, there's, there's life in the blood and the atonement comes through the sacrifice of blood. Right? And so that's why you have this culture that did the sacrifice with animals over and over and over again. And it was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of the firstborn of God, which is Jesus, right? Coming later. All right, so God 
after Moses, starts sending his prophets. And it's like his prophets are coming and like, hey, guys, let's go follow, follow the Lord again. Slap them up around and they're like, all right, here, this is what's going to happen. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And they go and they start walking with God and they're like, actually, hold on a second. I forgot about this thing over here that I wanted to sin about. Right? And so they, got, and they start doing dumb things and God's like, ah, oh, let me send him another prophet. So he sends him another prophet and the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Israel, like, we're going to start walking with God. Well, actually, hold on a second, God. We've got, we got more stuff we want to do over here in darkness. God's like, I'll send you another prophet. So he sends him another prophet, right? And God kept sending them prophets because God loves us. So he kept coming after them over and over and over again. He would send prophet after prophet after prophet saying, come on, guys. I want to give you good things. I want to give you life. Like, come on, stop living in darkness. Come to the light. There's hope. There's good stuff for you. Come over here. Like, I want to protect you from this power of sin, Right? And yet, they kept doing it. And after all these prophets, then there was silence for a while. Right? There was no prophets. They would talk about, well, the word of the Lord wasn't there. It was quiet. Right? And so they were like, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Well, these prophets a long time ago told us about this Jesus coming. But then you have this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist looks like one of these dudes, right? He's got this Nazarite vow, another sermon, right? So he's got this long hair. He's eating wild honey. And he's like this crazy dude out in the desert telling about Jesus. And they're like, I don't know about this guy, but is he Elijah? Did Elijah come back? Because he's doing all sorts of stuff. And he's talking with power. And man, that, that, that might be Elijah. And he's like, no, I'm not Elijah, right? But he was preparing the way for Jesus, right? And so... Enter the scene, comes Jesus. And around this time, if you want the verses for these, look in Romans, all right? So Romans, a lot of the verses that we're going to come through next are going to be found in the book of Romans in the Bible. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. We've all sinned. We've all broken that relationship with God. And it says the wages of that sin is death. But there's eternal life through Jesus. So even though there's death, again, we're back to that same, same decision Adam and Eve had. Death or life, right? And life, let me spell it out to you, is Jesus. It's through Jesus. Nobody goes to the Father except through the Son, right? And it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Another passage a lot of people know is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Like over and over again in the New Testament, there is hope. And the hope is through Jesus. Okay? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here's this, this situation where Jesus had zero sin, but he took on the sin of all of us. And he took it on because him being one with God the Father, right? There was this invitation for us to become one with him. And he said, you know what? You can have my righteousness and I'll take your sin. John 17, 22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. This is Jesus shortly before he goes up on the cross, and he is asking God, like, hey, my prayer, unify us. Unify our people with you. Like, he is saying, I want to be that bridge. Unify us, God. And here's the thing. 
spoiler alert of what's going to come in this world. There's going to be some crazy stuff. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's already wars and rumors of wars, right? But there's also this thing where Jesus, he's like, hey, greater things than I'm doing is going to come. You guys are going to do greater things, greater miracles. There's going to be miracles that will happen in his bride, in his church. And he's going to come back. And when he does come back, he's going to come back for a unified bride, right? But there's also going to be a situation where there's people that are not unified with Jesus that are also going to release signs and wonders. If you are just seeking after signs and wonders, you are missing it. We can have the entire world unified, but if you're not unified with Jesus, you still are missing it. And in fact, there's a good possibility the world will be unified against anybody who is standing with Jesus, right? So if you look at Revelation, we got some stuff coming. That being said, like, there's a unification, but unification without Jesus is nothing. It's just like, if you think about in heaven, right? If we got these streets of gold, which we're like, that's pretty cool, streets of gold. You know what? If Jesus isn't there, you're going to get tired of golden streets. Right? Even the most awesome situation without God is not an awesome situation. I don't care what you want to build. It's not great without him. Okay? Um, yeah. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. How many of you guys, like, when we, when we think of Jesus going to the cross, we think about him in the garden, and he's, he's literally sweating blood out of anguish for what is coming. He's like, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Think about that. Like, there is such anguish as he's about to take on the sin of the world, past, present, future at that time. That is, a, that is a weight. And yet, in his mind, it was for the joy set before him. Women of the church that were here yesterday talking about identity, um, I wasn't here. But I would want to just affirm, when we're talking about identity, like, we all start out as sinners, right? And a part of our identity is we are sinners who have this invitation to be saved by grace, right? And when we are saved by grace, when we confess our sins to our to God and say, hey, Jesus, I, I need you to come into my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I was guilty. And I confess that it was your blood on the cross that covered me, right? So when we go through this process of saying, hey, I submit to you, you are the Lord of my life. When that happens, there's an identity shift that happens where we were once sinners saved by grace and now we are sons becoming like our dad. sons and daughters of the living king. And there's a shift. And the thing is, some of us have earthly fathers that did awesome. And you can praise the Lord that he did awesome in your life, right? And the truth is, we still get to grieve and let that one go to be adopted by a better dad. And some of us have dads that were terrible or not even there. And we wear the scars of that and we need to grieve that but the cool thing is when we shift our identity, we become adopted by a different father. And we start becoming like the father that we have. Right? So what we have is Jesus who's on the cross 
And when he's on the cross, he pays for the penalty of sin. So the penalty of sin. So we started off in the garden. Remember, there was, there was the presence of sin, there was the power of sin, and there was the penalty of sin. Jesus, on the cross, takes out the penalty of sin. Okay? And he invites us to become one with him so that the penalty doesn't rest on us. Isn't that beautiful? Why? Because, because God loves us, so he came after us. Yeah. So Jesus paid for the penalty of sin. The cool thing of this story, though, is he didn't stay on the cross. Because three days later, he raised from the dead. And that gives us hope, because if he had so much life and so much love inside of him that even death couldn't hold him down, then he says, hey, if you want to be one with me, guess what? You can be connected with me in such a way that death can't hold you, too. And I'm talking not just physical death, eternal death. I can come to the Father, and because I come to the Father, I'm going to bring you with me. Okay? Part of that process, because even though he took care of the penalty of sin, we're still in a broken world, right? Put your hand up if you're like, hey, I think that we're still in a broken world. There's a few of you that have more faith than I do. No, I'm just kidding. We do have a broken world, right? There still is the presence of sin in this world, yes? There still is some power of sin. Now, Jesus has conquered it, but part of it is he has patience for us. I can't imagine the amount of patience that he has, and he has patience so that all may come to him, right? And part of that patience is he says, hey, you know what? I am going to put my spirit on you. So he, he sends his Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, and he says, I'm going to clothe you in power. I'm going to send my, my spirit that's going to transform your lives so that you can help take over the power of sin. And you conquer the power of sin with the power of love, right? And God is love. Right? And part of that process is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So now that... There's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. All of these are directly from the Bible. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ our Lord. It's kind of like this right here. Okay, so you have this dog. I want to do good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. All right, so this is in Romans. This is a dog, and you're like, look at that face. If anybody here has ever had a dog, you know that look of the dog where they did the thing that they weren't supposed to do, right? And some of us, are in this spot, right, where we're like, all right, I have been saved, but I keep doing this thing where I go in these circles where I do the thing I don't want to do or I don't do the thing that I should do, right? And part of that is because there's a sanctification process that God is inviting us into. And that sanctification process, it's a big word that basically says, hey, you know what? It's going to take some time for you to spiritually grow to match what I've already done, Right? We can become the one he's created us to be, but it, it takes some time for us to get there because, you know what, we still are made of flesh and we still need to rework our, our own minds and our own brains. Like the Bible says, take each thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That takes some time to rewire your brain, right? All right. 
So Jesus said, I'll ask the Father and I'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, here's that sanctified thing that I was telling you about. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, it's not all just work. It's not all just discipline. It's not all just, I got to rewire my brain. Part of it is, we just need to learn how to delight in the Lord. We need to stop and think about the fact that if he created us in our mother's womb and if he knew everything that he put inside of us, he did that with joy. He enjoyed creating you. Like some of us need to start thinking about the fact that like, okay, if he loved me that much to create me that way, then who am I to judge myself and shame myself and put the guilt on myself and look at myself through my lens like, Here's, here's one of those news flashes for us. When it comes to identity, you don't set it. The one who paid the price, he's the one who set your, your cost. He's the one that said, I will fearfully and wonderfully make you. I'm going to design you. I'm going to create you. We don't get to tell our creator our identity. We don't get to tell him, hey, you know what? This is actually how much I'm worth, and I'm not worth anything. Isn't that a crazy thought? He's the one that sets our worth. So some of us today might just need to say, God, I I need to know. I need to know how much you love me. I need to know how much you think I'm worth. What is coming? Jesus went to heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit down, and he said he's coming back. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Jesus is coming back. That's the good news, right? Right? And when he comes back, he's going to come back for a bride that is unified. So in this church, like, one of the things that we're going to look at is, you know what? It is okay. It is okay for us to go through the sanctification process. It's okay for us to not have all of our ducks in a row all of the time. We're going to continue to go back to Jesus. We're going to continue to confess our stuff with our our brothers and our sisters. We're going to pray. God's going to release us. He's going to bring us into freedom. And as we get healthier and healthier, guess what he's going to continue doing? Send us more of the broken, more of the lost, more of the hurt, more of the people that we can love the way that God loved us. And that only happens if you first receive. And so this is going to be a church where we're going to be quick to receive God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness. And we're going to be quick to say, you know what? Screwed up, but you know what? I am walking in this long line with God. And just because I fell down on this step doesn't mean I have to start over again right? If you fall down, pick a brother up and keep walking, right? That's what we're going to do. Some of us today almost maybe need to get adopted, right? Because, Because God loves us, he's coming after us, right? He has already saved us from the power of sin, okay? Because because God loves us, he is saving us from the power of sin. So he has already paid the price, the penalty. He is helping us with the power, right? And part of that process today might be that 
you're invited to confess some of what you got going on in your life to one another and release each other. And he's coming back again, all right? Because he's going to come back after us again, right? He's coming. He saved us from the penalty of sin, saving us from the power of sin. He will save us from the presence of sin. How many of you would like to have zero presence of sin? Wouldn't that be nice? That is the hope that we are looking forward to when Jesus comes back, is he's going to release us from the presence of sin all entirety, right? That's beautiful. Jesus, as we rest in your delight, we are thankful for the sacrifice that you, for the joy set before you, endured on the cross. God, we are thankful that you have covered the penalty of sin in our lives. God, we embrace the fact you're conquering the power of sin in our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading and guiding us in truth. Jesus, we're thankful that you're coming back again. Because you love us, you keep coming after us. God, that is, that is sweet and that is good. God, I just ask that as this moment, as we sit and rest in your presence, as we worship you, or as we just let those the songs wash over us, God, I ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you would bring us into your favor, bring us into your goodness. God, that you would give us eyes to see your delight in us. God, give us the courage to come as we are, not with a facade, not with perception that we think that you would receive, but just as we are. God, you know us. You know our innermost thoughts. God, you know the things that you put inside of us. And God, we know that you intended it for good. God, we also know that you work all things out for good to those that love you. So God, I just ask that you would give us a taste of your presence. Give us a taste of your spirit. Give us a taste of your goodness. God, increase our hunger. God, may we delight in running after you. God, may we know what it's like, like a child, to be swept up by a good dad that wants to hold us and protect us and provide for us.